Everybody has trials and temptations. Everybody knows heartbreak, isolation. has fear. Everybody's got worry. Everybody knows sorrow and devastation. morning and welcome. What a friend we have in Jesus. What a way to start this morning. Let me just say a couple of things. Um, I'm, my friend Jake is back and he is super cool if you haven't met him. And the other thing is if you were in purple today, you are cool. Um, if you're not wearing purple, you're almost cool, but you should have wore purple. Um, and I'm just cool because other people wore purple. Otherwise, I'd just be the guy with one purple shirt on. It looks like blue is popular today, too. But it is good to see you. Um, if I were to have taken meteorology as a course of action during college, I think I could have really been successful during the month of July and the month of August um, predicting the weather. Um, but let me just tell you that the next week is probably going to be the same as last week. And um, eventually it will change. And when it does, we will thank the Lord. 
as we thank the Lord for these days, because they truly are good days, because each day, no matter what the temperature, no matter whether it's rainy or dry, sunny or cloudy, there are days that the Lord has made, and we are to rejoice and be glad in them, thankful that He knows way better than we do um, the circumstances around us. Well, it's an exciting morning. We'll be looking at um, hope this morning as we continue in Hebrews. Ken and Michelle West will be coming in just a couple of minutes to share about their um, trip to Tanzania. They got back at the end of of June, and so we're excited to hear about that. But beforehand, let me just um, continue to welcome you and let you know of a couple of things before Deborah comes up and gives us an update on Embrace Grace. First of all, if you are a visitor here this morning, it is our pleasure that you joined us, and we Thank you that you have chosen to spend your time with us, and we hope that you have felt the warmth of handshakes and and friendliness, that you'll experience the presence of the Lord, and that you'll join in um, as we worship together in in song by listening to um, God's Word and by rejoicing in what He alone can do. A couple of things. Next Sunday is our Harvest House Collection Sunday. Um, You can see in the bulletin a list of items that are that are requested. Um, it is back to school time, and so um, family budgets, um, along with school supplies, schools, clothes, food, and electric bills are stretched. And so if you have um, a couple of extra items that you could bring or maybe pick up at the grocery store, um, pancake, baking mixes, tuna helper, hamburger helper, peanut butter and jelly is always a necessity. Coffee, crackers, canned fruit, beverages, or juices, you can bring those next week, and then we pass those on to Harvest House. Um, secondly, just a reminder that tomorrow, the 14th of each day of the month, is the day that we have set aside to pray for um, revival and spiritual awakening in Johnson County. Um, Glenna and Kim um, suggested the 14th because Valentine's Day is on the 14th, and it's a loving thing to pray for our community. So take time tomorrow. You can pray every day, but take time tomorrow, set it aside, and pray specifically that God would bring revival and spiritual awakening to the churches and the people of Johnson County. Men, tomorrow morning, Elk Diner, 6.30 a.m., men's breakfast. We hope to see you there. It's a wonderful time to connect and fellowship with other men if you have availability for that. And I just want to throw that out there. You can consult the bulletin for other times and dates. And now Deborah is going to come and tell us, um, give us an update on Embrace Grace. Embrace Grace will officially be starting September 10th. This will be our first day. We've uh, got the room down at the end remodeled and decorated. Embrace Grace, if you don't know, is the ministry to help um, young, single, unmarried women who have an unexpected pregnancy. And um, we'll be starting that that day. Next Sunday, following this service, I will have a brief video and information about how I need your help. And there are lots of opportunities to serve. And if we all kind of pitch in, it'll help. Um, and so I'll give you more information about that tomorrow. I mean, next Sunday after the service. And so if some people need to leave or whatever, that's fine. But really, all hands on deck would be great. <laughs> so, Thank you, Deborah. You're still the only person that gets applause for announcements. We'll talk about it later tomorrow. But how come you never applaud when I make an announcement? Think about that. Let me just read one verse of scripture, and then Ken and Michelle are going to come and share about their trip. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. And just let this start to, to sink in and marinate it on a while. Marinate it on, marinate on it a while. 
um, as we prepare our hearts for, for worship and, and hearing testimony in God's word. Paul wrote Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Amen. It's the word of the Lord. Ken and Michelle, why don't you come and share with us this morning? Well, as of, I don't know, whatever time it was, I left my house late to get here. I really wasn't exactly sure what I was going to (laughs) say, to be honest. Um, I have a theme for this trip. You saw it at the beginning. It's called Twin Day. Twin Day means let's go, let's go, let's go, let's go, because that's all we did was let's go, let's go. That was the next, everything was the same. But anyway. Actually, what I felt like as I was driving up here, the Lord telling me to tell you, and I may cry, but, oh, yay, there's a box of Kleenex right there. Um, So when Scott announced the date for this trip and the timing, I I had this instant gut-wrenching, oh, my gosh, I just don't know how I can possibly... Do that because I do books for two churches and there's quarterly reports and there's end of the month reports and there's you know, Nolan River bought buildings and all this other stuff. Anyway, I mean, I just instantly was like, I oh, God, I don't know if I can do this, you know, and be ready to go. And um, but God already told me that I was supposed to go. And then, as we found more details about this trip, I was like, Lord, this trip's going to be hard. I knew it was going to be hard before we ever left the ground. And then the closer we got, the harder it became. We had, there were, there were two, really, there were two trips for Scott and Leslie, but there were passport problems with the first one. There were passport problems with the second one. And I kept thinking to myself, I thought, you know, I know After Scott and Leslie told us that they were going on ahead before us, I realized very quickly that our mission was to get the rest of this team to Tanzania because we've done it before. We've been there. We we sort of know what to expect, (laughs) sort of. So it's Africa. So (laughs) it might be the way that it was the last time, but it might not. So everything kind of changes, but... But the trip, the trip was very hard um, for me physically. The altitude, we were at almost 7,000 feet at the very beginning. It took us, I mean, if you were able to read this slide, it did. It took us 50 hours to get where our first stop. Yeah, well, the first place that we stayed. We changed, we changed hotels eight times. We traveled every day. The only thing I... I decided was consistent about this trip was that we got on the same bus every day. And you have no idea how much of a blessing that is that we had a bus that picked us up in Mwanza and they stayed with us the whole trip. And that that was a wonderful blessing. Um, 
and I got sick, and I lost my voice, and the dust was terrible, the dirt was hard, the, the, it was hot. We were hot. We've never been hot before, you know, but we were hot every night. It wasn't really that hot, but it was hot at night in our room, and that makes things hard, and it can make you cranky, you know, if you're not sleeping well and all that kind of stuff, but you know what? In spite of all of the hardship, it, we didn't ever lose our focus. Nobody on the team, there was lost luggage that didn't, and poor Mike, he went four days in the same clothes. You know, that's a long time <laughs> when it's hot, so, and you're sweating, uh, anyway. But the thing that I realized is that, okay, had I listened to myself and not ever gone, Maybe Belinda might not have gotten there because we needed to help her get there. (laughs) She was the one on our team that didn't have a passport, and she lost it before we ever got through security, (laughs) y'all. I kid you not. I mean, she didn't lose it, lose it, but she misplaced it anyway. That was a panicky moment. But um, the forces of darkness were against us. They did not want us to be there. They did not want us to be there. They did not want her to be there. Her testimony was powerful. That girl, she shared all over the place. And I'll let Ken tell you a little bit, a little story maybe about what she did in the hotel. There's pictures that went by already. But it blew my mind how important it was for her to be there her testimony was powerful and there were many people I'm sure that got saved because of her testimony and you know at first I thought well we did our job we got them here whatever but you know what then I got sick about halfway through and I felt terrible I really did but I decided I thought well I could stay here in the Kim capacity you sure you don't need to stay I was like no I'm not staying I am not staying in this room. And had I stayed in that room, I would have not shared my testimony. Not that God needed me to save those people. Don't get me wrong. But there, I wouldn't have got to be part of it. Y'all, there was no toilet paper in that place. <laughs> I'm sorry, that this slide just cracks me up. There was no toilet paper and there was no hot water. You know, that was another reason to be cranky. But that's when that place was powerful. It was dry. It was, there was no water. We had to buy fruit to go there because Jeremiah said there won't be any fruit for us to buy. So we bought fruit before we ever went into Yungwali. And, but God moved powerfully there in that place and I think he's it was hard and those pastors it's a hard place for them and there's many stories about why it's hard but you know what I kept thinking to myself I kept seeing there's wells everywhere and I'm like well there's water there why is it so dry I mean it's under the ground and I just realized it's like you know I expect Because they talked about how untrained these pastors are and and how hard of an area it is because of some of the things that have happened. I'm expecting big things there. 
I expect God to do big things in that place. But I'll let Ken tell you the story of Belinda and the hotel because that just is amazing. Well, I was doing something that had to do with logistics and getting receipts and money together for something and all that. And anyway, I walked out of the hotel. I walked out of where our rooms were, and I was coming down. And uh, and Belinda was standing there with these three uh, well-uniformed men. And as I walked by, she said, "I said, Ken, hang on a minute. You um, you might can add to what I'm telling these guys." I said, "Okay." Well, anyway, she was sharing the gospel with them, and what it was was there was one man who was brought up in a Muslim home but he didn't profess to be a Muslim, and then his two co-workers, um, one of them being a supervisor and the other one being uh, a worker like the other gentleman. And so anyway, she shared. He asked a few questions. We answered them. And she says, well, do you want to receive Jesus? And he says, I absolutely do. So then, even though I came in late, uh, you know, Belinda said, well, Ken, why don't you lead in a, in, in a prayer? And I said, oh, absolutely. So we were able to do that. And that was wonderful because that's what this whole trip was. It, was. it was all evangelism. Everything about it was evangelism. And well, anyway, so after he got through praying, I said, now my most, I guess the one thing I can, I can probably recommend to you most is wherever your home is, you find a local church to get involved in. And one of the guys said, well, what church? There's so many and they all have different beliefs and this and that and I said well where do you live and he told me so I said well hang on a second so I called alias Kashinagani who and this man has done everything in Tanzania was the president of the Baptist Convention of Tanzania is currently serving as the temporary president of the Tanzania Baptist Convention and knows so many people, knows that whole upper portion of, of Tanzania. And so I called him over. I said, I said, hey, I said, this gentleman just received Christ, but he needs to know, he wants to know what church to go to. I said, he lives in whatever it was. And Alias just got a big smile on his face, and he says, well, he says, the chairman of the association in that area lives in that town. This is the church. <laughs> so things just lined up perfectly um, to be able to share with that particular man, to be able to answer all his questions, even to be able to recommend a church for him. And when that was done and those two went off, the 
supervisor stood there. This guy, he spoke really good English. And when the pictures come up, when I'm just standing there with the one guy, that's him. And he was just telling me how happy he was that 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 man was able to receive Christ because he had been praying for him and was concerned about him um, for a while now, evidently. So, uh, so yes, the Lord did work. We were blessed, and uh, it was it was awesome. It was, it was really awesome. I mean, essentially, what we did every day was we got up in the morning. Breakfast was at 7.30-ish, and we got on, but we divided into groups. We all went out to the, because I guess we failed to say that, you know, what we were doing there was visiting, and these 10 churches that that Swimba has partnered with, um, and our, our mission really was, yeah, these brand new churches, now mind you, the brand new church over there is like, four sticks and a tarp. I mean, that's a church That's a church building at best. One of them is, was under a tree. And, and by the way, they pay rent for the shade under the tree. Yeah. And <laughs> I know. It's so hard to believe. But essentially, we did the same thing every day. We got up. We went to where this church start is. And we visited in the neighborhood. We invited people to come to church in the afternoon for a service. And we did that every day. Um, for, I don't know, three days, four days or something. And then there was a baptism service and, you know, and that was awesome to watch all that. There were 30, and all of the baptisms from were from all of these new churches, okay? And there were 30 plus at the first, in the first location. And then when we moved to the second location, there were 30 plus baptisms from that that area, and um, <laughs> anyway, it was just it was just busy. We were busy, and we were sharing the gospel, and we used um, what's called cre- what's called creation to Christ is what we used, and um, we brought some of those to pass out to you because everybody everybody needs to know how to do this. And that's how to share the gospel. It, and it's real from from the beginning, you know, of creation and how God created the world and how Christ came to resurrect, you know, and died for us and why he did that. And, you know, I honestly can't say that I've done that very often here, but, man, it's powerful. Of course, over there, they're very receptive to the gospel. And... Um, it, here's a little here's a little harder, but I think that it's harder because we make it harder in our head, and we're fearful of man, and we need not to be because our world's dying because we're not sharing the gospel with our neighbors and our friends and um, whatever. Um, Got personal too. So, anyway, the. Was something I was going to share. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, but yeah, we can do that. Uh, hey, Jeff, you want to switch to the other video? Now, <laughs> some of you know, and, and probably a lot of you don't know, but we've been 
we've been going on this trip for the most part ever since 2010. Um, and this this was up until now predominantly it's been for pastors and last conferences it's been teaching preaching sharing doing things like that um, encouraging pastors and young folks and after a few years of that then a the need was seen to start a Bible school in this area that we started, which was up in the Caraguay district, which is up in the north, um, nor <laughs> up in the northwestern corner of Tanzania, uh, next to Rwanda, bordering Rwanda and and Uganda and Lake Victoria. And the reason that happened was. Actually, Scott Woodson was had a burden on his heart while he was studying. I think it was Genesis, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. It was a and long time he ago. just asked the Lord, you know, what what is it you want me to do? And the Lord told him, He says, Well, you need to go back to Tanzania and redig the well. So we was thinking about that. What, what, why is that? Well, because when the genocide was happening in Rwanda, it spilled over into Tanzania, and especially up in that northwestern region. Yeah, because it's right. And the so, so there were a lot of pastors and their families that were killed, Tanzanians. And so it was hard to. I mean, nobody wanted to be a pastor. If this is what it's going to do, why would I want to do that? Anyway, so it, but yet, as far as Southern Baptists go, they weren't sending missionaries there anymore because they had considered that area evangelized. Well, anyway, in that whole northern, northwestern area, Southern Baptist churches have dropped down to seven. So that's how this all started. Oh wait. I think it's I think Scott's first trip was probably in 08. Yeah, he took a group of pastors. Yep. Um, and then again he took another trip in 09. And then we all jumped on board and we haven't quit because you gave part of your heart there. <laughs> yeah. So in twenty ten is when we when we first started. And you know, as we shared as we have shared over the years, there have been a few times where we were able to give you some kind of an update. Um, you know, one, uh, we as Swimba started, helped start a Bible school up in Caraguay. Well, then they started one down in Leiva, I guess. In Leiva, yeah. Um, and then a need was seen to start have a diploma type schooling and so they start a university level uh, classes so you could get a certificate going through the Bible school but you get a diploma going through the college and 
Let me explain a little bit why they did that because most of these young men that are pastors do not have high school education. You have to pay to go to school there. And so if you don't have the funds or if you don't, well, first of all, if you don't have the funds to send your children to school, they don't go to school. And then they, I believe they have to test to get into what we would call high school. And, you know, it's just very, it's just very difficult. And so a lot of them don't have high school diplomas and the um, seminaries or whatever that's available in Tanzania won't accept them. And most of those that are, that have their degrees and all of that, like Jeremiah and all them, they've gone to Uganda to get that. Well, that's very hard on their family because it's very substance living. If they don't, you know, if they aren't growing something or whatever, they're not eating. And um, anyway, so, you know, they realized that, that they needed more education. That's part of why we started going you know, and doing these trips, and but then they needed they needed more more than what one trip a year could provide them, and this education that they're getting is not shabby. I mean, it's hard, and um, they're having to learn English, but but that's why they developed all of this training, and and it's apparently so good that the convention of Tanzania is paying attention. They're very excited about it. So, but anyway, we wanted to show you this because of the history and the fruit that we that we are seeing out of this. And and so anyway, so and as you know, we as a church gave a large sum to help build a dormitory, and then later the next year gave another sum to help concrete one of the floors in the room inside that dormitory that they were wanting to use as a library. So, uh, and then finding out that in Caragua, that district, those seven churches have now grown to, it's well over 20 now, getting up towards 30. So, so we were seeing fruit, man, these are, blessing to be able to see the fruit of what's been happening and so last year when we went on our trip well part of our experience was the first graduating class of the university and the diplomas and man we thought that was a wonderful blessing well it all then compared to what we learned this year <laughs> um flip over to so the next slide so if you Okay, so here is Pastor Oscar John and his wife. Uh, that picture, he was he was in Caragua in 2010 and in 2011. That picture happens to be from 2011. Um, and in 2012, he ended up moving back to his home, which is in Gara, which is the first place we went this year and he started a church so now aside from all those church churches that have grown up in Caragua now this is now reaching down to the southern part of that lake zone region and and he's just been him and his wife have 
just been working. And he went to university during this time. They've been working, growing their church, pouring into other young men in the church and developing leaders in the church, which is part of what we've been, part of the training that we've been given in these conferences. And so we'll come to find out Oscar's church is the mother church for six of these new starts. And he sent out these leaders that he's been pouring into to be to, to be the pastors and to start these new churches. Uh, so all that is really great. And when you're sitting there in a service because we didn't know it, but the Sunday, the last Sunday we were there, he said, ah, we're going to have a service at 4 o'clock. I thought we were going to be able to, you know, <laughs> go back to rest, the hotel, relax, relax it's been a long week, have tea know. time. That didn't happen. <laughs> nope, be there at 4 o'clock. Oh, man. So afterwards, that night at dinner, I had to confess. <laughs> uh, it was rough. I was not looking forward to it. But anyway, we got there. It was a wonderful service. Um, and they showed much appreciation. We gave a gift to Scott. That he's got, there's a picture of it in here, but he's got it uh, at the Swimba office. Um, it was wonderful. But when Oscar's up there introducing, you know, all the Mzungus, the white people, he gets to me, he says, Brother Ken, he says, oh, I so remember when you were given that deacon training and you were talking about, yeah, you got to stand behind your pastor to do this and then to the side of the pastor and sometimes you got to stand in front of the pastor to do that. <laughs> you know, and it's like, you remember that? that <laughs> 13 years ago. <laughs> um, so it was just confirmation and a blessing of, to see what the Lord was doing in Tanzania and through this long partnership uh, that was started back in 2008. And, uh, and I tell you all that, too, because as Cross Timber, as a church, over these 13 years, 14 years now, you have invested so much, not only in money, but in prayer, providing supplies and things for the children, for the wives. Um, you have just been such a such an integral part and the investment that you've made not only in the people of Tanzania but in us as well to be able to go. So Lord, we thank you. We personally thank you very much. And, uh, you know, if the God, God calls us again, then we'll be looking forward and willing to go. I'll be packing my bags. <laughs> Actually, I, I have, y'all will laugh at me. Actually, Deborah Williamson might not. But I put, 
I texted Leslie and I told her, I said, well, I, I pulled a Whitson. I was driving up my street. Y'all are going to laugh. And my neighbors had put out this really good looking luggage. <laughs> and I snatched it up because I thought, ooh, we could use that to take stuff back to Africa. <laughs> Isn't that good? Hard-sided stuff. But anyway, you can flip over to the next slide. And this is them. Uh, they they have just blessed us to pieces. And they're just one couple. There's There's many of these couples that are doing this, but... You know, he is leading out in that Angara area, and um, it's amazing. And, of course, his, his prayer was, he says, please pray for our church because I've sent out all my leaders. And so now he needs to lead. He has to raise up new leaders. So, But it's, a, it's beautiful. I mean, you know, we often don't get to see the fruit. And... Um, or sometimes we're just not looking and we miss it. And it's such a blessing to get to see it. And that's what I'm saying, you know. Have, had I listened to my flesh? I'd have missed it, you know. I'd have missed it. So if it looks scary... And you think it might be hard, but God's telling you to do it. Gosh, do it. Just do it because you're going to get blessed. So we want to end with a little pen. I will oh, I will leave this out on the table if you want to look to see where we were. Actually, we kind of tried to put some arrows so you could see where we really kind of sort of were. Um, and then we have a basket with the little tree in it from Tanzania. It hit last year, so we brought some again. Um, we'll have a basket out there. One flavor. It's kind of like a word. It's candy. And for those that weren't here last year, I'll tell you that the Swahili word for candy is pee-pee. <laughs> but it's good. Uh, one of them's called like buttermilk, I think, but it's like a Werther's. It's the blue one. That's the blue one, and the brown one is the brown coffee. one is coffee flavor. So if you don't like coffee, don't get this. Don't one, get that This one. is coffee. It's, it's coffee. Awesome. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we'll leave, we'll leave y'all with a little bit of a little short clip of of worship from Africa. <laughs>
Let's pray. Our Father, we give you thanks because all things are possible with you, and we pray, Lord, for all the ways that you use your people to spread the gospel around the world. And we thank you today, Lord, that uh, you've given us this opportunity to come and to uh, uh, worship you in spirit and truth, and uh, Lord, to hear your word and, and apply it to our hearts. We pray for Rusty as he brings your word as your messenger that you would give it to him exactly what we need, that each one of us would hear it according to our need this time. We thank you, Lord, for where you're working all around the world and that we have a part in that through our offering. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.
you're one of those planner aheaders and have already found your place in Hebrews, you can back up to Romans chapter 15 and look at verse 13. Um, we'll, um, two things. Um, one, we'll, we're going to diverge away from Hebrews um, this morning. Um, the good news is, is that's not going away. It'll be there next week. So any pre-work you've done in filling out your bulletin, you can just save for, for next week. But I want to uh, just challenge us for a few minutes around this idea of 
three things. Holding on to hope, speaking up for hope, and living out hope. Romans 15, verse 13, we read it earlier. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and believing, peace and believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. It sounds like if you're reading through the book of Hebrews that Paul is getting ready to sign off and say he loves them and he's praying for them, but then he continues on. But he has an earnest desire for the people that he loves to experience through the power of the Holy Spirit the privilege of abounding in Now, I don't really know what you abound in these days. I walked out to our farm the other day, and I'm abounding in two things, grasshoppers and doodlebugs. I don't know what you're abounding in. Um, Your electric bill is coming pretty soon, so you may be not for long abounding in money um, in your bank account as you pay for that. But there's one thing that we can know for sure is that God has for us in place the ability to abound or to Delight, remain in, to enjoy, to access hope. And it's brought forth to us from the one who identifies as the God of hope. We'll look at this next week in Hebrews, but just as I introduce it this morning, think about this. God is in the hope business. He spent all of the Old Testament continually making promises to people. Promises that if they would listen and obey, He would bless them, He would multiply them, He would make them um, to to prosper in what they did. He was offering up hope, and that hope came to some people that we would look at and think, man, they don't deserve that. They are scoundrels. You know, they're just rotten people. And the people that He did make promises to, oh my gosh, what did they do? They tried to go out on their own and make things happen. They lied, they cheated, they stole God still loved him anyway, and he still offered the promise. People were, were involved in all sorts of things that we would say, that is, that's sinful, that's bad behavior, they shouldn't do that. But God still made promises and offered hope to a people that were his own. He's the God of hope. And he says, may God fill you. And when the Bible talks about God filling, it's not just a half full It's not just a three-quarter full because you don't want it to to splash out when you're carrying it. No, it is filled to the brim and overflowing, filled with all joy and peace in believing. Because hope, which is not wishful thinking, it's dependence on God, is dependent on our belief, our trust in God, that He is unchangeable, that He is ultimately faithful, and He always does what He promises. And He says He would fill us with joy and peace. Those foundational characteristics of hope. The world may be crashing in all around you. It may look like a a living hell in the home place. The the workplace may not be much better. And you're wondering all of these things. When is it going to change? When is it going to stop hurting? Why are these things in the world? And in the midst of that, God says you can have hope. And we can be filled with joy and peace by faith. And then he says, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That we can take a headfirst leap into the lavish grace of God and enjoy the hope that he offers each and every day. Why? Because that hope is not dependent on 
circumstances, it's invested in a person. We just sing the song, Living Hope. I want you to take your Bible, turn back toward um, the end to 1 Peter chapter 3. So it would be right after you know, you have Hebrews, James, and then 1 Peter chapter 3. And I want you to listen, verses 3 through 7, as we see that that hope is not found in circumstances, but it's invested in a person, a unique person, the one and only Son of God. Listen to Peter. Now this is rough fisherman Peter met Jesus on the Sea of Galilee, right? Come and I'll make you fishers of men. It's the Peter that blew it, right? It's the Peter that doubted. It's the Peter that, you know, turned away when he said he wouldn't, but yet God loved him and restored him. And now listen to what he writes. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We'll read more in a minute, but it's just a reminder that that salvation is a process. We take that initial step to trust in Jesus and then the rest of our lives, we live out our faith. We offer up ourselves as living sacrifices. We respond to God with both fear and trembling as we work out our salvation, which is through the, the sandpaper of life, through the, the fires of affliction, of hurt, through the healing of wounds that our salvation is being worked out as we are made a little more each day to be more like Jesus. In this you rejoice, verse 8, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So here it comes, forming them in the furnace of life so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We can abound in hope. We can be hopeful people. A couple of years ago, I was just reading through some some different things that um, that, that churches would would use, kind of catchphrases, you know, because you know you want something that's that's easy to understand that catches people's attentions and when they they think well there's that church they remember and there was a church in nevada and they called themselves i love this hope peddlers you know they were hope peddlers that they were in the business of not you know selling illegal drugs or offering you know things that shouldn't be but they were in the business that god has instilled us to do and that is to offer up hope and I just had this picture in my mind, you know, I always think back to the cartoon days where you have people that, you know, that you, you're walking along and the guy has the trench coat on, you know, and he goes, hey, come here, you know, want to buy a watch? You know, and they've got all these watches and, it, you know, it, it could be a, a Rolodex watch instead of a Rolex watch, you know, or something, but they're offering those things. And I have this picture of just, you know, God's people spread out all over the community offering up words of hope. 
that because they've been born again to a living hope, they've been filled with hope, that they can offer that hope around them. And so we come to these three phrases. The first one is hold on to hope. We'll look at this next week when we get to Hebrews chapter 6 and we talk about the anchor that God has given us for our soul. I love the phrase that when it mentions the faith of Abraham, that he hoped against hope. Many times, as we're trusting in God, it will seem that he is silent, that his work has slowed, and that maybe we are lost and forgotten, but that is never, ever the case. And it is in those moments when you are feeling discouraged, when you are doubting, when you are wondering, is God even there, that we hold on and press into hope. But here's the good news. Even though we are to hold on to hope, his hope will never let go of us. So hold on to hope. That's the the first charge for us as people that are supposed to to go out and share that message of hope. We have to hold on to hope ourselves. Because hopeless people have nothing hopeful to talk about. The second word, which has to do with that talking, is speak up. So hold on to hope. Speak up about hope. Be hopeful. Herald in the world that you are in. Whether that's your home, whether that's your school, whether that's your workplace, whether that's the grocery store. Offer up hope. Now this can start very simply in our conversations. Like right now. Sure is hot today. That's not really a really hopeful thing, right? It, you can just kind of start the, the, the conversation on a downhill slide. You know, walk into a, a restaurant and, you know, and you can tell that people are buzzing and running and, and everybody's working their tails off. And, you know, and you're like, well, sure are busy today. And then, you know, you plop down and you're like, can we get some service, you know, in your attitude. But being hopeful and seeing things in the positive, you know, being rejoicing in what God has done, thanking people, thankfulness, gratitude, generosity. That's step one. That's level one. That just lets people know that there's a cheer in you that is, you know, it's supernatural. It's the love of of Jesus. But then speaking up. You watch television. You know, you you read print media and, well, it's less than hopeful um, because those so-called journalists are really, you know, hopeless um, in their efforts. But we have opportunity to speak up about hope. Because we're born again to a living hope, we should have a testimony of hope. So speak up. Be positive in your hope. That's the message that we take to the world around us. And while it may be difficult, it may be challenging, there may be people that disagree with us, there may be people that won't have anything to do with the church, the hope that God can bring, the restoration and the healing, isn't interesting. And the people that are around us, there's people that are, that are hungry. And we pray that God would open doorways and we speak up about that hope, the hope that is found in the person of Jesus, that they can be born again to a living hope. And then live out. Hold on, speak up. Live out. Our acts of love and service in the places where we go can be Encouraging things that offer up hope. I mean, we look at some of the, the big problems that are in the world. 
you know, and we say, gosh, what can we do? We, we can't possibly, you know, solve that problem. No, but we can, little by little over time, chip away at it by our prayers, by our attitude, by our thoughts. You know, you can, you can do what you can with what you have, where you are, and while you may not be able to alleviate, alleviate everyone's problems, that you can at least offer hope that there is something better. Well, through our love and through our actions, we can live out hope. And as I look around our, you know, the people that, that I see on a regular basis, you know, they they laugh, they, they joke, they have things that they're interested in, but if you take a deep dive into their appearance, then you, you see that there's a definite need there's a need for love. There's a need for acceptance. There's a need for forgiveness. There's a need to know that they don't have to live in deception and shame and that we don't just live through life and then die and it's over. There's hope that is real and available now and there's hope that is available that will last throughout all eternity. And so the God of hope my prayer this morning would fill us with joy and peace in believing in it by the power of His Holy Spirit that we would be people that abound in hope. What missions teams carry when they go to other places, they carry the hope of the gospel to the places they go. That's what we do as disciples. Little by little, imperfectly, but persistently, we offer the hope. Let me pray. Lord, we are grateful for your goodness. We are thankful for the opportunity that you have for us as your people to participate in your mission. You don't need us, but you choose to use us. You've given us unique talents, unique abilities. You've given us all stories of deliverance and freedom. We were to know the, the backstory of everyone in this room. We would just marvel and be amazed, and we would say, You? Hey, me too. Yeah, me too. Because we admit we're broken apart from you. That we live, Lord, apart from you in a life of shambles and in pieces, but we come to you with those pieces, those shards of what remains and offer them up to you, the one who can put the pieces back together. The one who offers not just wishful thinking, but living hope in the person of Jesus. So help us this morning as we rejoice in the work that's going on in Tanzania and the faithfulness of those that go. That you've called us here in the place that we are be those that carry the message of hope, to be, as some have said, hope peddlers, that we would hold on to the hope you've shown us, we would speak up about the hope that's in us, and we would live out the hope, not in our own strength, but in the joy and peace and the power of your Holy Spirit, for your glory. And we pray this in the name of the one who is our living hope, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. To pause for a couple of moments. Uh, Zach is going to play quietly on the piano. It's a moment for you to 
just respond and reflect and maybe just you know, you realize that hope is something you need to catch a hold of. And maybe that first step is catching a hold of, of Jesus and just grabbing on and saying, Jesus, I need you in trusting faith. You're saying, I, I've tried to live on my own. I've lived a life that, you know, has been for myself. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I want to repent and turn to you. Or maybe you thought you had that hope once somehow it got shuffled away in all the stuff of life and you just need to reach out and grab a hold of the hope that's in you. Maybe it's that God would give you the boldness, like Michelle honestly shared, that we would speak up and be those that would speak up about hope. Sharing our personal testimony, sharing about the transforming power of Jesus. That all of us would be committed to living out that hope. That because we have been transformed by the one who is the living hope, we would live out hope in our lives. Jackie's going to play quietly. Maybe there's some other decision you need to make, whether it's joining our fellowship, maybe you need someone to pray with you, maybe you just need to quietly sit before the Lord. I'll be at the front if you need someone. Let's listen to the Lord as Jackie comes to play. Ken and Michelle for just sharing God's story and just your willingness to be a part of what he's doing. May that be our part. God, help us to see where we plug into your story and help us to join in the adventure and come along for the ride of what God's spirit is wanting to do in us and through us all around. Um, I do want to share something with you um, that I don't know. I mean, I, I get excited, and it doesn't show as much as it probably should. Um, but anyway, here I'll jump up and down right now just to show you. I'm jumping up and down excited. So, so there you go. And if you were able to see that from the back, I might have been able to clear a sheet of paper. So I'm just saying I don't have much of a vertical um, jump. But I do want to tell you something that that was that is, was both um, unexpected and and very much a blessing. Um, if you, I'm going to test your memory for a second. If you were um, at our one of our quarterly meetings in April of 2022, so that's April of last year. It's more than a year ago. I'm like, I know it's hard. 
um, I read back through the minutes, so I, I had a refresher course. So if you didn't remember, that's okay. But we had talked about um, just the possibility of being in partnership with First Baptist Church of Burleson, which if you know something about the history of, of Cross Timber, in 1996, um, there were some faithful members, Bob and Deborah and some others, that were here. And First Baptist um, Church of Burleson sent families from their church body to be a blessing and to be a part of what was going on at this new formation of Cross Timber Baptist Church. And um, we have some folks that came and stuck, even though um, retired pastor Mike Milburn wonders why they didn't come back. Um, we have Jimmy and Brenda. We have David and Glenna. We have Ken and Michelle. Um, you know, we have, um, you know, just, just to name a few. And, and they came and they invested in church life. So that's kind of the backstory. So Thursday afternoon, um, I received a call from Christopher Cass, and he just said, Hey, Rusty, I want to come out to your place. I've never seen your building. You know, I've been in your, in your um, sanctuary, but I've never seen the rest of your building, and I thought maybe we could visit for a little bit and you could show me around. So I came, and we sat down, and um, I gave him a, a, a tour of, of our facilities, um, showed him what we had inside and outside, and at the time, we were sitting down at my desk, and he said, You know, Rusty, I want to ask you, question. He said, we've talked about this. We've been walking down this road for a long time. And he said, on August the 20th, which is next Sunday, if you're counting, um, Ronnie Marriott, who is our pastor, would, would like to announce to our church body during our service that we are calling out or asking for 10 young families to commit to one year of being a part of the body at Cross Timber. And after I, um, you know, I kind of, you can clap. I mean, it's, it's exciting. Here, I'll jump again for you. I'm a, i got to be careful. There's like a wooden hatch back here behind me, and I don't want to, like, just disappear. And then you're like, what happened to the pasture? And so after, I mean, after my, you know, I recovered, I was like, well, well yeah. You know, and, and I was like, well, this, first of all, it, you know, it was like really sudden because I'm, I'm, I work at a turtle pace along things. I think, you know, I'm usually... I like to have you know a few weeks to kind of line things out, but I'm like, okay. And so um, I contacted um, the folks that are on the church council. I contacted church staff, and everybody was in agreement and to move forward. And so um, what that means um, is, you know, that we need to pray that God would send, you know, the right people, you know, that are willing to come and to serve. Now, when I say the right people, it doesn't mean they have to be just like us. In fact, it would be pretty good if they were different from us, but we do need a like-mindedness and a unity around um, the things of God, around the fellowship that we enjoy, and around the purpose and the direction that we, we go on. Um, I did ask this question, I said, so what does this look like? Does this mean like that there's going to be, you know, like, you know, 10, you know, minivans pull up one Sunday morning, and, and he laughed, he said, well, probably not that sudden. He said, likely, you know, individuals, you know, families will, will pray about it. They'll talk to us about it. We'll encourage them to come and try, you know, and come and visit. And then they'll make a commitment um, to that. But um, the exciting thing is, is in that request for young families, it will, it will help us in the area of, you know, filling in where we have a gap. And honestly, that's where we do have, you know, the gap. And, um, and the, the way it goes, if you know, if you were ever a church searcher with young kids, young families, attract young families. And, um, and so um, hopefully as we minister together and become a blessing, we'll help um, to reach in that area. 
Um, so I wanted to share that with you. Um, I, I'm excited about it. I hope you were excited about it. Um, y'all are getting a preview. Um, don't worry. I don't think anybody from First Baptist is going to find out unless you tell them because not that many people watch our um, our live stream outside of this church I don't, that I know of. Now, they may this time. So, um, But anyway, if you um, just pray about that. In fact, I'm going to pray now, and our worship team is going to come up right after that and then um, sing and dismiss. And then as we find out more um, details, I'll share it with you. But just be excited. Look forward to what God is is up to and wants to do. And um, we'll put our trust in him. But let me pray before the worship team comes. God, we are rejoicing and we are thankful that just like you read the stories in the New Testament, that there are instances where churches help other churches, that they, they see um, the opportunity to invest, to plant seeds where they see um, life and where they see a need. And I thank you for, for those that are willing to partner in the gospel, that ministry and church life shouldn't be about competition, but it should be about how we can move forward to help carry out the responsibility we have as the church with a big C. And that's the great commission that our Lord gave us. And so we rejoice and we're grateful in this opportunity to have folks come as willing servants, as almost missionaries, partners in mission to help us as we serve and as we grow. And Lord, we are asking because we ask you and we trust that you provide exactly what we need. Lord, that you know the family, each individual, each couple, each child that needs to be here with their gifts and with their talents. So, Lord, if there's areas where we're lacking, Lord, we're trusting you to provide. If there's gifts that we're not seeing and we're not exercising, Lord, you would bring those people. Lord, you would bring those with a personality that are that are willing to support those in leadership, that are willing to pray for um, those that lead, those that teach, that are willing to roll up their sleeves and serve. And Lord, we are looking forward to that, to bring just a freshness and a life to us and, and help us to be encouraged and to be excited, but not to lose sight of the prayer and the ministry that needs to take place and the focus. And so God, we trust this to you. God, if, if there's families that are interested but don't need to come, Lord, we trust you'll prevent them. And if there's families that need to come but are reluctant, we trust you'll push them on and bring them our way. Lord, we love you and we trust you because you're the God of hope. And we put it, our trust and our faith in you. So Lord, as we sing and we go from this place, help us to be reminded that you are the one that wants to fill us with joy and peace and through the power of the Spirit we can abound in your hope and help us to hold on to that hope, speak up about it, and to live it out for your glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You join in standing. Our worship team is going to lead us in a song, and when they are finished singing, you are welcome to leave. Lord bless you. Great.